trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership. And the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome to The Brian Hyde Show. If you are listening to this program, I can only assume that you are a wrong thinker at some level, and I welcome you wholeheartedly. Pull up a chair. I've got my friend and fellow wrong thinker, Eric Peters, joining me today. Hi, Eric. Hey, Brian. How's it going? Uh, okay. I'm trying my best. I'm not giving in to the emotional blackmail of the face diapers. Man, it's it's ramping up, too. Eric, I, I weighed in on a, a friend's Facebook post yesterday. Um, he was mm-hmm. really upset that people were uh, protesting outside our governor's home mm-hmm. and our lieutenant governor's home, who, by the way, will be the next governor of Utah. And and these people are peacefully just protesting, but their voices won't be heard otherwise. And and this uh, this individual was just like, these people are dicks for doing what they're doing. I mean, he was just incensed. Mm-hmm. And I made the mistake of speaking up and saying, well... At least they have the courage to go out there and make their voice heard. You know, I mean, you've called them names from behind your mm-hmm. keyboard. Which one of you is showing more conviction and more courage? Holy cow, did the town folk well, get riled? Oh, Yeah. Well, how are they, how is a person a dick for refusing to give in to emotional blackmail? Uh, you know, the core crux of the issue here is, if I'm not sick, why am I obliged to pretend that I'm sick to assuage the hysterical fear of some person who is worried that I might be sick. No, I think I don't a- understand this, and and I, don't, I particularly don't understand people on the right, the conservatives who bought into this, because after all, is it not the same argument presented by the left uh, with regard to guns that says, "I'm afraid that if somebody has a gun, they're going to go and use it to shoot kids in school." Yep. and they use that as the basis for for claiming that everybody uh, must be debarred the right to own a gun. It's exactly the same thing. I'm fine with being held accountable for what I've done. I'm not fine with being extorted and blackmailed because of somebody else's unreasonable fears. Well, and and that's the key right there. These fears, though they they seem very real to people and are fanned by the nonstop, you know, dialed up to eleven propaganda yep. that the news media is bringing to it. Yeah. But they're they're irrational. And they don't reflect the reality of, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, right now there's a, re- there's a report on CNN about, I think it's 79,000 Americans have been hospitalized, here's the word, mm-hmm. with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Now, the word yep. that we would need to be concerned about is if they, if they were hospitalized from COVID-19. But with a little rhetorical Correct. sleight of hand, you know, we're supposed to believe, oh my gosh, you know, it's putting mm-hmm. everybody in the hospital when that's not mm-hmm. the case. Yeah, they've been doing that since the beginning of this pandemic of fear, uh, essentially uh, conflating any death with corona death so that people who have died because they're elderly uh, or who have died because they had coronary artery disease or COPD and happened uh, upon death to have been discovered to also have uh, traces of this virus in their system, uh, the sole cause of death then is attributed to the corona, which is disgustingly dishonest. And it's despicable that no context is given, that it is not regularly told to people, look, yeah, this is a potentially serious problem if you're very elderly, if you're already very sick, but if you're not in those two categories, the risk of this is very slight. 
And the hysterical overreaction to this is just that. It is a hysterical overreaction, and it's, and it's a dangerous one. It's, it's, it's turning this entire country into a kind of a sickness gulag. Well, and, and it's, it's encouraging people in authority to, uh, it's tempting them to abuse their authority. I understand in your home state of Virginia, um, Governor Kuhnman is, is flexing his political <laughs> muscles once again. Yeah, once again, the lockdowns are kicking back in. He has decreed that uh, gatherings of 25 or more people are now verboten, and he's apparently increased the penalties and the enforcement for his face diapering decrees, which are actually, he styles them mandates, which brings up an interesting point. I'd like to know what the legal authority for the mandate is, and more to the point, what are they going to charge you with? You know, ordinarily, if you violate a statute, like let's say that you uh, are caught speeding, and the, the radar says you were doing 63 and a 55, well, the code says it is illegal for a driver to exceed whatever the posted speed limit is, and that's the code, the statute, that you're charged with violating, and the fine is based on that statute. As far as I know, there's no statute or law that says a person is required to put a holy rag over their face in order to go into a store or to go out in public. So I'd like to know what's the, what's the legal basis for charging people with this quote-unquote offense for which there is no statute. No, I think that's, and I think that's a perfectly fair and and legitimate uh, question to be asking but as you well know the uh, the the cult of covid does not want us questioning such things we're just supposed to shut up and obey and stop breathing because breathing is how you kill people sure uh, there's so many facets to this um, one of the many facets is that in addition to the the claims that i've read which may be valid that forcing a healthy person to wear this impediment to their breathing is dangerous to their health uh, I think it's inarguable that this is dangerous to the psychological health of any healthy person who's compelled to wear this thing around their face all the time. It's demoralizing uh, to the wearer. It's also demoralizing to other people to just have to see everybody moping around without their faces being visible, um, pretending that we're in the midst of some kind of a black death revisited, which is, pers- which is absolutely untrue. No, I can tell you from personal experience, uh, because there, there are occasions in uh, a side job that I have where I have to wear a mask, and I feel the difference every time I have to wear that mask. And it's not for a long period of time, maybe five, six hours tops, but my lungs struggle after that time. And, and mm-hmm. for people who already have like existing conditions like asthma or something, I could see this being a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no precedent for it. In a medical setting... A surgeon might put on one of these things for the duration of an operation, but this idea of having to wear it for you know, eight, nine hours at a time every day, uh, it's, it's, it's something that's never been done before. There has been no investigation into the potential danger of that medically. And meanwhile, we know for a fact, this isn't something that's a debatable point, that these masks, as they're styled, do not do not impede the transmission of viral particles, which are too small to be thwarted by the cloth that most of these masks are made of, which is why it actually says that right on the box, that these things do not stop the spread of viruses, and yet people are forced to wear them. And the only conclusion that a person can draw from that is that this is kabuki. It's about, about performance. It's about making people submit and obey and seeing just how far the government can push people to submit and obey. Well, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how far this can be pushed. Um, I was out and about this last weekend in my home state of Utah, and I mean, look, the the Orwellian um, 
evidence is everywhere. The the big electronic billboards that tell you mm-hmm. about wrecks further up the highway, you know, beware, this mm-hmm. lane is blocked. Instead, we're saying things like, if they're not from your household, video chat. And it's, and it's just yep. endless. But you know what I saw as I was out and about? There's an awful lot of uh, my fellow Utahns who just don't seem to give a damn and are out there shopping. I mean, the shopping markets yeah. and the big box store parking lots, absolutely full. The only difference I noticed is there seems to be a little bit of an attitude, which I don't guess is surprising since people are under some undue pressure. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, everybody is angry now, understandably. You wake up in the morning and you're, you're hit with this onslaught of depressing news. You are besieged by these, these, these grotesque and tyrannical uh, mandates everywhere you go. You, know, you have to put on the face diaper. You have to deal with the stand on the, the painted box and all of these petty humiliations and indignities, and it wears on you after a while. It wears on you to think that your business might be shut down a month from now after having been shut down before and you're desperately struggling to figure out how you're going to pay your mortgage, pay your bills. And these Gesundheit Führers, who seem to have somehow acquired limitless power over us, and with regard even to our personal relationships, how dare they, when you think about it, how dare these people tell us that we can't stand close to each other if we wish to stand close to each other by our own mutual consent? How dare these people tell us that we are not permitted to socialize with our friends and family. And where do they get the, the effrontery of this is almost beyond my ability to articulate. No, I'm, I'm with you. Although there was some encouraging news here in the last week, and I know you wrote about this. Uh, Elon Musk questioned yeah. the, the COVID cult. What was, what was the deal there? What was really interesting. Now, you know, Elon seems to actually be becoming a libertarian as opposed to just calling himself one. He, uh, he went in and got himself uh, the Wu flu test. Uh, he actually got several who flu tests, and he came up with multiple contradictory results. Two of the tests came back negative. Two of the tests came back positive. And this is fairly typical. It's not just Elon that this is happening to do, happening to. And he called it for what it is, which is bogus. These these tests are not reliable. They're not indicative of a person having a a a case of the corona. Because the problem is, as I understand it, I'm not an epidemiologist. But the coronavirus is related to other coronaviruses, like the ordinary flu, and the test is not sensitive enough to pick out uh, the COVID-19 from the other coronas. By the way, that's why they changed the verbiage. You might remember at the beginning of this pandemic of fear, they referred to this as the coronavirus. Hold that thought. The problem with that is we've got to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. Okay. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Welcome back to the show. Eric Peters from epautos.com is my guest. And, uh, Eric, we, we had to break away suddenly, yep. but uh, I want you to finish your thought about how uh, when we re- when we first started hearing about coronavirus, you were reminding us that yep. this, this is part of a family of viruses mm-hmm. and related to the common flu. Um, let's pick up where, where we left off there. Yeah, verbiage is important. You can use it as a metric to see how they're trying to manipulate you. Uh, and in this case, they began by characterizing this virus as the coronavirus, which it is because it's part of a family of coronaviruses. There are lots of coronaviruses. The ordinary flu is a coronavirus. The common cold is a coronavirus. So uh, the problem there was that people began to compare coronavirus 
to other coronaviruses and noticed that there really wasn't that much difference between the two in terms of whether it was going to kill you or just make you feel bad for a few days. So they had to come up with this new draconian term, COVID-19, in capital letters. And that's how they've been styling it now. To get back to these tests, these tests are problematic because they aren't sensitive enough to separate out, say, you know, the particles in your body that you may have had from having had the flu last year and the coronavirus. They are not reliable, and nobody wants to talk about this. And it's despicable, again, because the, the cases, the cases, this fear porn that they're, they're throwing at us every day are based on these, these tests, and these tests are not accurate. And, and it's, it's disgusting. No, I'm, I'm with you. No, you, you had a very interesting article, um, actually a letter from a reader talking about uh, the uh, emotional rights that people yeah. are, are trying to assert in, in why we have to force you, Eric, why we have to become Gesundheit Führers, you know, and make you do what we want you to do. Yeah, we have to now, we're expected to defer to somebody else's feelings. And this predates this woo-flu hysteria. You know, an example of it is if a transsexual person uh, insists that they are female, even though they are biologically male, and we decline to acknowledge that they are female because the fact is they're still biologically male, we've somehow committed an affront against their emotional well-being. And now this same doctrine is being used to characterize people who refuse to play sickness kabuki, like me, who say, look, I'm not sick, and because I'm not sick, I'm not going to put a holy rag over my face to make you feel better. That's considered emotional abuse now. They're literally trying to pathologize any disagreement with the narrative of the woo flu as somehow being an affront to the emotional well-being of people afflicted by sickness psychosis. What it really comes down to, and I saw this uh, yesterday when I uh, riled up the town folk by questioning you know, <laughs> the official narrative, is they want control. And, yep. and I, don't, I don't know of a polite way. I, I don't think there is any way you cannot come off as a dick standing up for yourself to people who are determined to control you and bend you to their will. Well, yeah, but you can't let them beat you down by that. Because if you do, then you have surrendered everything about yourself to these people and put yourself in the position of having to kowtow to whatever their feelings are, not just about the woo-flu, about about anything that you do if they're uncomfortable about you driving an suv or a truck because they fear the climate is changing then somehow it becomes your obligation to get a prius or an electric car right 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 enough of this it's got to stop you know people have a right uh to be left alone and in peace they have a right to to have their own views and opinions and to make decisions for themselves without feeling hectored and pressured by some termagant, whether male or female, uh, who is having some kind of an emotional meltdown over something that has no basis in fact. Yeah, and, and you make the point in, in your write-up on this, where is this going? You know, if, if we allow people to, to beat us into or bend us into submission just based on the assertion of these phony emotional rights, where is it going to stop? It's not going to stop with just the needle in our arm for certain. Absolutely not. That's why it's so imperative that this has to be stood up to. And to not, you know, it's, it's just internally, each of us as an individual should, should just have a monologue with ourselves about this and ask ourselves, am I actually harming anybody? Am I, am I causing anybody else any damage by refusing to wear a holy rag? Regardless of what their feelings are, am I hurting somebody by doing that? And the answer is 
Of course not. How do you hurt somebody if you're not sick by not wearing a holy rag? How do I hurt somebody by having a gun if I don't use it to shoot anybody with it? Yeah, and if you decline their invitation to the uh, struggle session where you confess your your uh, um, you know wrongs and confess your crimes against uh, the the masked, um, I don't know. I I, I, think, yeah, I think you're right. Been, we have to draw that line somewhere. Morality has been inverted, and it's so alarming. Things that would have been considered abusive. We've talked about this before, particularly with regard to kids. Now somehow it's considered virtuous to take a little kid who isn't yet at the age of reason and not really able to understand what's going on, and put a mask on a child's face. Something like that would have been considered cause for calling in the Child Protective Services a year ago. Now it's been normalized. These poor kids are being psychologically ruined by this, potentially for life, the crippling that's being done to them in the name of this virtue signaling that's all based on weaponized hypochondria by a, a, a press, by a consolidated corporate press that, in my opinion, is as loathsome, as despicable, uh, as vile as what was going on in Nazi Germany with Der Sturmer and Julius Streicher, who was hanged after he was judged guilty at Nuremberg for inciting hatred against a class of people. Wow. No, I, I don't disagree. And, and Eric, thank goodness for alternatives like your website, epautos.com, uh, for... for you know, like the networks that, that I'm on, Loving Liberty Radio Network and the mm-hmm. Fed by Ravens Media Network. I, I know that there's a crisis right now of, of trust for the legacy media. I think it's a great thing. Although I noticed that Brian Stelter was lamenting, you know, people mm-hmm. going to parlor and how, how this mm-hmm. is dangerous. It's, it's threatening our democracy. Why? Because they're not oh, sure. believing him. Sure. And that's why uh, I'm, I'm, the thing I'm most alarmed about by... The, the, the supposed victory in the selection of the hair-plugged man over the orange man, is that these people, if they're successful in maintaining this, this coup, um, are going to target people like you and I, wrong thinkers, oh, yeah. and are going to claim that we're threats to the community and the public health, that we're spreading false information, and they're not just going to demonetize us, they're potentially going to outlaw us, and even worse, as is being done in places like Australia, where all you have to do is post something on Facebook questioning the narrative, and they'll send armed goons to your house and drag you out of your home. Well, I have no doubt there is a gulag being built somewhere uh, with, with a place for you and a place for me, if we persist in our wrong think, and yet mm-hmm. I would have it no other way. I'm, yeah, you know, is, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in till the bitter end. I'm in till the bitter end, too, but hopefully the bitter end won't get that far, if, if only... Enough people continue to say, no, this is not American, it's not acceptable, we will not abide this, it's not tolerable. Uh, you know, I pray, and I'm not a religious man, but I pray that most Americans um, will recover their senses and not want to live in a, in a sickness gulag ruled by hysteria in which everybody is terrified and in which we are ruled by the decrees of Gesundheitsführers. I'm with you. Eric, we've only got about a minute or so left, but I want to ask you, um, you know, mm-hmm. the election drama still hangs over, over us like yeah. a sword of Damocles. Any thoughts on the direction that it's taking? Any, any sense of, of what the outcome might be? Well, it's, it's as mysterious as the Sphinx to me, but one thing in particular that I'm mystified by is why Trump hasn't done anything other than tweet. Now, I understand that he's got lawsuits filed and so on, but why? Among other things, does he not end the national emergency that he declared back in March? Why, among other things, does he not 
publicly say, look, these Gesundheitsführers, these state governors, do not have unlimited legal authority to just impose mandates on people. It's contra the federal constitution, and it is contra uh, the, the, the constitutions of every state in this country. This is not acceptable. It's not enforceable. Even if he didn't do anything in terms of backing that up, just his saying that, I think, would empower freedom in this country, and I'm just very saddened that he hasn't, hasn't done anything at all like that. Well, Eric, I am, as always, grateful for voices like yours that uh, give people rationality and reason in a time where insanity seems to be the rule not rather than the exception. Thanks again well, for being my guest. As always, yep. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. We have so much to cover and just a limited amount of time to do it. So I'm going to kind of bounce around here a little bit, but I've got some great items to share with you and of course i'm not going to have time to get to all of them which means i have to invite you go to the show notes which you will find at the brianhydeshow.com you're looking for the notes for november 17th 2020 and you'll find the articles that eric peters and i were discussing i also have a few more that i wanted to share with you this is a big one and and it's far too long to to even share many excerpts with you but if you have listened to me for any length of time you will know that i'm I'm very intrigued by fourth-turning historical cycles. If you're not familiar with the book, The Fourth Turning, by historians Strauss and Howe, it's a book that would really change how you look at the way things unfold. It's not like you can predict events. It's not like, well, you know, every 75 years, this is what you're going to see happen. No, it's, it's never quite that simple. But there are cycles that play out and generational archetypes that can be observed and have been observed, and that's the thing these guys did, is they went back, you know, thousands of years studying what happens over the course of a long lifetime. And what they found were patterns that roughly approximate the, the turnings of the seasons. Now, as you might have guessed, <laughs> we are in the thick of winter. In fact, we are in the thick of a huge winter storm. Fourth turnings are always typified by a crisis, and that crisis can take the form of economic upheaval, civic decay, um, massive warfare in many cases. And just to illustrate, you know, America has been through this at least three times before. Look at the period leading up to the founding, the revolution actually, and then the founding era. That was a fourth turning, and it was not an easy one. But I think we can agree the landscape looked very different on the other side of that particular winter than it did going in. The next one came with the American Civil War and Reconstruction. And again, the landscape had totally changed in many ways on the other side of that turning. Next was the Great Depression and World War II. Globally, you saw a whole different alignment of power, uh, the financial interests and so forth. Well, we're in the middle of one right now. Think about when World War II ended. Yeah, we are right on track and we are in the midst of a very big crisis. And Jim Quinn 
has a remarkable ability to step back and look at the bigger picture and see how our current fourth turning is unfolding. Now, I'm not going to, I want to make something really clear. If you are, you know, looking for encouraging news that's going to put a smile on your face and, you know, show you that, see, it's not so bad. Ah, We're just making it out to be worse than it is. Uh, No, he strips off all the sugar coating and it's, it's pretty straight up truth. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, intimidating stuff to consider. He particularly takes aim at all the malarkey that is currently being foisted at us 24-7, assuring us that this last election is the most secure and fairest election in U.S. history. His article is titled, Illegitimate President. And, you know, before you jump to any conclusion about, well, he's just shilling for Trump or he's just shilling for Biden, you really need to read his article and see for yourself what he says. It's powerful, powerful stuff. And again, laid against the backdrop of a fourth turning, there were some very interesting insights that are unlike just the typical political points here and political points there. I strongly recommend it. It's a fairly lengthy article. I'm going to give you this warning if, if, if bad language offends you. There are a couple places where he has some pretty emphatic language. It's not the the sum total of the article, but there are some punctuation statements he makes in there that um, he's he's really trying to make his point. I would encourage you, find the time to read this. It's linked in the show notes. Take a look at it. See what you think. And uh, and see if it's if it's something that resonates with you. It, to me, he makes a whole lot of sense, but I'm not telling you. Therefore, you have to believe it too. I'm just saying, take a close look and and know there's uh, there's some pretty interesting stuff going on. And I think you'll like his, his take, especially if you want to see history as something more than just a linear timeline with, well, here's where this happened and here's when this person came in. There are very clearly identifiable cycles that take place. And once you recognize that, you start to recognize them taking place around us. And I don't know about you. For me, it makes it uh, just a little less scary in the sense that we've been through these turnings before. But you, you have to live differently. You have to have a different mindset and a different focus in a fourth turning than you would have in a first or second or third turning. And I know that may sound kind of, uh, you know, abstract or, you know, it's, it's kind of out there. All I can say is I've, I've got a link in the, uh, the show notes as well to the website, fourthturning.com, which gives you a really good primer on some of the terms that are used, how the cycles play out. If, if you were willing to spend a couple of hours getting your mind around it, I think it would be extremely worth your while. So there's my recommendation. All right, moving on. One of the things that concerns me about uh, the possibility of a Joe Biden presidency is uh, Biden's insistence that he has a mandate to heal America. And by the way, when he says heal America, I don't mean to, uh, you know, to roll back political power being used as a weapon to force people to do whatever, you know, whoever holds that political power thinks they should do. No, he's more along the lines of um, heal, heal, now, <laughs> sit, stay. Play dead. We're talking about bringing America to heal. The Reverend Ben Johnson, writing for AmericanGreatness.com, AmGreatness.com, has an excellent article about cancel culture has become cancel America. 
Why is this of interest to us? Because, he says, America is about to be canceled and so are you. Now, I know you feel safe. I get it. You are a pleasant, unassuming person, probably well-liked and respected in your circle of influence, and therefore, nobody could possibly take offense. Well, I want you to hear what he has to say and tell me that uh, you can still feel safe after hearing this. Reverend Ben Johnson says three weeks ago, a Pennsylvania police chief was forced to retire by his progressive mayor after 26 years on the job. His offense? The chief's wife posted a Facebook message supporting President Donald Trump. Let that sink in for just a second. Lancaster Police Chief Jared Burkheiser might be the latest victim of cancel culture, but he won't be the last, says Reverend Ben Johnson. The radicals who canceled Burkheiser plan to take their extremist views from academia up to the White House and then bring them down to every local school district and workplace in the country. By the way, this is something Jim Quinn covers very well in his article. Another reason you should read it. Reverend Ben Johnson says they hope to impose a censorious cancel culture on every level of society, including your friends, family, neighbors, and eventually you. They foresee a future where socialist rioters can burn homes and businesses while you aren't allowed to dissent, even in a Facebook post. Now, none of this is surprising when you know what Black Lives Matter believes as an organization. The Black Lives Matter left, which is now the Democratic Party's vanguard, does not want to improve America. It wants to abolish America as we know it. It wants to turn America from a free society built on individual rights into a society built on group rights. It wants to replace equality of opportunity with equality of outcome, where the government's role is to ensure that each group has the same income and power, and it sees government replacing the nuclear family. This kind of massive wealth redistribution and social revolution can only be accomplished through totalitarianism. But they've hidden their true agenda behind slick spin and an incurious media. Just as a quick aside... This is something, I'm trying to remember who it was who pointed this out. I just saw this last night, and I thought it was a very memorable way of, of stating how communism or total, communist totalitarianism works. And essentially it was, look, once it, it, it takes hold, once it absolutely has its hands on power, it becomes absolutely pitiless, ruthless. But until then, it wears disguises. That's where we are right now. Reverend Ben Johnson says they've also smuggled their agenda into progressive politics. As our cities burned, left-wing politicians aided, abetted, and excused the revolutionaries and prosecuted Mark and Patricia McCloskey for self-defense. They want truth and reconciliation committees for Trump supporters. While President Trump recently abolished critical theory training sessions for federal workers, Joe Biden endorses bringing the woke workplace, bringing them into the woke workplace, rather, because people must be made aware. So the double standard is clear. Anyone calling America irredeemably racist, worthless, or worthy of incineration may receive a Pulitzer Prize. But it's almost impossible for everyday citizens to dispute the idea that America's cops constitute a racist guerrilla death squad or that gender is biologically determined, or any other part of the left's cartoonishly conspiratorial view of life. Why? Well, these narratives are sacred. They're placed beyond rational inquiry. We'll come back to Reverend Ben Johnson's article, Just the Other Side of These Messages.
This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm sharing with you an article published in American Greatness. That's amgreatness.com from Reverend Ben Johnson. It is linked in the show notes, which you can access at thebrianhydeshow.com. And it's talking about how cancel culture has become cancel America. And if you think, well, at least I'm going to be safe because I'm just going to quietly sit this one out like a quiet little church mouse and nobody will ever notice me. No. Nope. Cancel culture is coming for you. You may think you can avoid it, but you can't. And Reverend Ben Johnson is giving examples of people who haven't done a thing wrong. The case of the uh, Lancaster police chief who was forced to retire from his job, not for anything he did. I mean, 26 years on the job. That's a pretty good track record. But his wife posted something on Facebook, a post supportive of President Donald Trump. And that was enough for woke culture to move on the chief. How could anybody be safe under those circumstances? Reverend Ben Johnson says the lines of silence are constantly shifting. Even defending the viruses which preserve the uh, the virtues, rather. Sorry, Mr. Freud, what what was that? Uh, Even defending the virtues which preserve the American way of life, like work ethic, the scientific method, conscientiousness, and showing up on time, risks blacklisting. These virtues, we are told by the National Museum of African American History and Culture, are actually tools of white supremacy. Our civilizational norms must be canceled along with their defenders. Now, Burkheiser didn't have to stand up to the BLM racists to be canceled, but many who have done so have been fired from their jobs. By the way, he has links backing this up. So countless Americans simply bite their lips and keep their mouths shut at work. They're not wrong to be afraid. Half of American liberals said they would fire someone who made a political donation to the Republican Party, according to a recent Cato Institute survey. As everything becomes politicized, even family members are canceling family members. And the warning here is this will only increase if Biden actually becomes president. His mandatory workplace critical theory sessions, the lawsuits that they inspire, will force workers into silence and artificial agreement or else. It will bring about a future where each of us is Jared Burkheiser. Now, as Barack Obama used to say, that's not who we are. Unlike today's revolutionaries, Martin Luther King Jr. believed that America hadn't always lived up to its ideals and aspirations, but it could and would. Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln fought to end slavery and live in a unity inspired by the better angels of our nature. Even in the midst of a great civil war, Lincoln urged charity, not an endless recrimination of our nation's distant past. Well, more than a century later, we must take up his call, says Reverend Ben Johnson. The place for Americans to begin is by defending America. We must believe in an inclusive optimism that there is nothing wrong with America that cannot be fixed by what is right with America. And while America is not perfect, as Thomas Klingenstein said in a viral video, America is good. The United States is still the world's greatest force of moral good, freedom, and human rights. By the way, can I make a distinction here? It's not because of our government. It's because of the principles upon which our nation was founded. Now, government can be a part of that, but it's not the sum total, and I hope you can see the difference. Reverend Ben Johnson says we must stand up for Jared Burkheiser. We must demand our right to offend and be offended. We must insist on being judged by the content of our character, not the color of our skin. 
And he says, I'll support that. Will you? Interesting take. All right. Moving on. There is another tragedy that is unfolding. But unfortunately, everything that we see is is focused on COVID and COVID-19 and, and you know, focusing on... This is something that, that I would encourage you to watch. Look at the headlines. And when they talk about, right now, there are 79,000 Americans hospitalized. Pay attention. From COVID-19 or with COVID-19? Can you see the difference? If you want to see some really uh, great, insightful analysis of this, and you're on Twitter, I would encourage you to follow AJK, K-A-Y, AJK. She is a marvelous writer, and, and especially she's very good at pointing out how the narrative managers are keeping our focus fear-based without giving us the context that would help us understand. Okay, so there's been massive amounts of testing, which means there have been more and more positive cases But as far as the hospitalizations, someone who is hospitalized with COVID-19 is not the same thing as someone who is hospitalized from COVID-19. I know it seems like a small thing, but it's it's rhetorical sleight of hand, and someone is playing us and trying trying to make us more afraid than we really need to be. Now, keeping that in mind, there is another tragedy taking place just out of sight, Kerry McDonald, who writes for the Foundation for Economic Education, I actually grabbed this one off of uh, an article published on everythingvoluntary.com. Harvard, research, Harvard researchers say nearly half of young adults are showing signs of depression amid the pandemic. Now, why would that be significant? Well, keep in mind, young adults are among the least susceptible, even those who get the infection, who get coronavirus. They are least likely to suffer long-term serious effects or, for that matter, to face life-threatening illness. But right now, according to Kerry McDonald, mounting evidence shows that pandemic-related lockdowns and restrictions have inflicted much more harm on young people than the coronavirus itself. In fact, this new report from Harvard researchers reveals nearly half of 18 to 24-year-olds are showing at least moderate depressive symptoms, and for many, the depression is severe. Now, keep in mind, researchers at Harvard, Northeastern, Rutgers, and Northwestern universities conducted eight large survey rounds across all U.S. states from April through October, finding that young adults are increasingly having suicidal thoughts. In the U.S. adult population as a whole, the incidence of suicidal ideation typically hovers around 3.4%. But a new new study reveals that in October, 36.9% of young adults had suicidal thoughts. That's compared to 32.2% in May in the wake of the first round of government lockdowns. 3.4% to 36.9% having this suicidal ideation? Wow! Kerry says these new figures reinforce similarly dismal data released by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention back in August. CDC found that a quarter of young people ages 18 to 24 contemplated suicide in the previous month, in large part due to the pandemic and lockdowns. According to the new study, she says lockdowns and other pandemic policies have drastically upended the lives of most young adults. Only 20% of study participants, 
said that they experienced little change since the pandemic began. Instead, just over half of the participants said that their school or university had closed, while 41% had to adapt to working from home, 28% experienced a pay cut, and 26% were laid off. The report's authors conclude the next presidential administration will lead a country where unprecedented numbers of younger individuals are experiencing depression, anxiety, and for some, thoughts of suicide. They say these symptoms are not concentrated among any particular subgroup or region in our survey. They are elevated in every group we examined. Now, Kerry points out Dr. J. Bhattacharya, a professor of medicine at Stanford University, one of the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration advocating against lockdowns, explains that the negative impact of government lockdowns on young people's health and well-being is much more severe than the impact of the virus on this cohort. In a debate last week with pro-lockdown Harvard epidemiologist Mark Lipsitch, Dr. Bhattacharya acknowledged COVID-19 is an absolutely deadly disease for people who are older and people who have certain chronic conditions. He explained that there's a 95% COVID survival rate for people 70 and older. Well, for people under 70, there is currently a 99.95% survival rate. For children, Dr. Bhattacharya said in the debate, the flu is worse. We've had more flu deaths of children this year than COVID deaths. Now, given the disproportionate impact of COVID-19 on older people and those with certain chronic conditions, Dr. Bhattacharya and his Great Barrington Declaration co-authors argue for a focused protection approach that would shield the most vulnerable in society while allowing younger, healthy people to go about their lives and help to build population immunity. But with more U.S. states and counties and countries now imposing uh, new lockdowns in response to rising COVID cases, Kerry points out the mental health of young people is likely to further deteriorate. Already disconnected from many of their peers with work, school, and college shutdowns, these young people must now contend with new 10 p.m. curfews and 10-person gathering limits in some areas, closed restaurants and bars, travel restrictions, and socially distanced holidays. She says, meanwhile, college students are being shamed by administrators for celebrating their football team's win or they're snitched on by peers for socializing. It's not surprising that young adults are feeling increasingly anxious and depressed. You really need to check out the full article. You can find it at thebrianhydeshow.com. It's in today's show notes for November 17th, 2020. This is The Brian Hyde Show.